0: Welcome back to the Watch Dogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host and I consider myself a watchdog. (laughs) I don't know. I try to do that differently every time. It's just some little stupid thing I do. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Few more listeners this week. Thank you for listening. If you haven't yet, go back and listen to all of my podcast episodes, starting at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Yeah. That's, uh, of course, from sound to music. Okay. Um, in this episode, episode 39, it's so fine to be on number 39. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I, I'm in kind of a cheesy mood today, but I want to talk to you about something really serious. Did you know that no child is born with prejudice? It's true. You have to be carefully taught to hate. And I'll give you specific examples of this later on in the podcast. Also, more of the Biden family business. This time, the FBI, or no, the the IRS whistleblower came forward and revealed a WhatsApp text of Hunter Biden speaking directly to a Chinese businessman that worked for CEFC and threatening him if they don't follow through with what they promised to do and saying that my father is sitting right next to me. Hmm. That kind of goes against Joe saying I never discussed any business with Hunter I have never, I don't know anything about my son's business dealings. I've never talked to my son or his business partners about their business. Yeah, that one's gone. All right, and then I want to read to you a really interesting Facebook post. You know, when I was a kid, we used to have what's called tomboys girls that were very athletic and sports and you know and wanted to wanted to dress masculine in jeans and hats and stuff we never tried to medicate them we never tried to perform surgery to permanently alter their bodies and you know what those people turned out just fine because most people that go through puberty go through some form of gender dysphoria and it all works itself out by the end of puberty so i want to read you this very really cool um, Facebook post that I that my, actually someone sent to me. And then we're going to end things. I found this amazing, or actually uh, my mother sent it to me, 15 things you should give up to be happy. I'm going to read a couple in each podcast because I don't want to spoil it and do all 15 tonight. Uh, that's just too much. So I want to discuss, you know, read like one, two, maybe three of these things that I think are very right on point. So stick around because that's what this podcast is going to be all about. Thank you again for listening. If you have any positive or negative things to say to me, feel free to write me drew at the watchdogsbark.com. All right. To start off with If you are a Biden or a Clinton, the media and social media will all cover for you and attack anyone who dares compare what Clinton or Biden did to what Donald Trump did. You see, the media sees Donald Trump and his supporters and Republicans in general as bad people. It doesn't matter what their policies are. They are automatically bad. As Dan Bongino said many times, and I love this quote, the difference between Republicans and Democrats is this. Republicans think Democrats are people with bad ideas. Democrats think Republicans are bad people with ideas. Do you see the difference? When you see your opponent as a bad person or less than human, it doesn't matter what their beliefs or policies are. They are automatically wrong and bad. This is a classic Marxist tactic of dehumanizing those who disagree with you so that no matter what they try to do, it is considered evil or wrong. Hitler did this with the Germans. He convinced the Germans that Jews were evil people and less than human so that it wouldn't seem as heinous When six million of them were exterminated, because they weren't really human anyway, they were lower than dogs. And the world would honestly be a better place without them. That's what he convinced the Germans. The same thing is happening with a lot of Muslim children that are being taught by their parents the same thing. That's why many people in the Middle East and in Muslim countries are calling for Israel to be wiped off the face of the earth completely. Death to Israel and death to America are familiar chants in Middle Eastern protests. So, where does this all start? It starts in the home. As I said before, no child is born with prejudice, no child is born with hatred in their hearts. They have to be taught. To hate. They have to be taught to be prejudiced. Parents and educators are teaching children to hate people that are different or have different opinions or beliefs. In the musical South Pacific, this is made super, super clear with Lieutenant Cable, who falls in love with a native girl, Liat, and he is ridiculed for that because she's different, she's native. And he sings this amazing song called You Have to Be Carefully Taught. Listen to the lyrics. You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made. And people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late. Before you are six or seven or eight. To hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught. That, to me, explains everything so perfectly. Especially Before you are six or seven or eight, why do you think the Marxists and communists in this country are trying to indoctrinate kids so young? Because they're impressionable. Because they're like sponges. That's why they're indoctrinating these kids in grade school at six or seven or eight. They want to teach them to hate. They want to teach them that those who don't believe the same as them are less than them. They're less than human. They're lower than dogs. And you know what? When you dehumanize someone to that point and you teach children to hate to that extent, then if they die, it's no big loss because they weren't really human. Think about this and pound it into your head. You have to be carefully taught. No child is born with prejudice or hatred. So I am telling parents worldwide right now, I know I have listeners all over the world, stop passing your hatred, intolerance, and prejudice onto your children. By doing that, you are automatically hamstringing them and the amount of success they can have in their life. Period. Yes, it is that serious. If we could get parents to stop teaching their children to hate and be prejudiced and look down on people who who just have different beliefs than them, we could wipe out war in a generation or two. If we stop teaching our children to hate, the world would be a much better place. But the problem is hatred gets votes. Hatred raises money. Hatred starts wars and wars are profitable. I mean, you could go back to World War II. uh, The Rockefellers, Nelson Rockefeller, he got rich from both sides of World War II because the fact is the Luftwaffe and uh, the Messerschmitt airplanes would not be able to run without American oil. So he was profiting off of both sides of the war. The same thing is happening in Ukraine. Like I said in a previous podcast, it's more cost-effective, or more profitable rather, it is more profitable to manage wars rather than try to end them. That is what's happening, and hatred is what starts these wars. Hatred that was passed on from generation To generation to generation. When are we going to stop that cycle? I hope it's soon. Now, you remember at the very beginning, I said if you are a Biden or a Clinton, the media will cover for you and attack anyone who dares compare anything you do to what Donald Trump did. Well, guess what? An IRS whistleblower has come forward with a text message, a WhatsApp text message from Hunter Biden sent directly to Henry Zhao. He's uh, one of the executives on CEFC, the Chinese energy company. Remember when Joe Biden said he's never talked to his son about his business dealings and he, never, he doesn't know anything about the business his, his uh, son does? Well, listen to this uh, text and tell me if you still believe the same thing. It says, I am sitting here with my father. And we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret it not following my direction. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Now, the spokesperson for Hunter Biden says, well, this was during a time when he was really uh, addicted to crack cocaine and there was most likely this was a uh, a what do you call it, a, a rant of a high man desperate for money for drugs. That's that's their explanation. And there's no way he was sitting next to his father. Well, there's a way to find that out. Just compare Joe Biden's cell phone records to Hunter Biden's cell phone records. And if they were ever right next to each other, then they were sitting next to each other. And you can hear Hunter Biden threaten Zhao that this uh, needs to happen immediately, meaning Probably the money that was promised. And funny thing, just a few days after this text was said, Hunter Biden was paid five and a half million dollars. Girl, that, that's amazing, right? But but go back. Don't don't no. Hunter Hunter did his own thing. Hunter while he was high, he did all this on his own. His father knew nothing about it. At least that's what you'll hear if you listen to CNN. MSNBC, or uh, Huffington Huffington Post, that's what it is, Huffington Post, or Daily Cause, or MoveOn.org, or any of these other organizations that all cover for Democrats, cover for the Bidens and the Clintons. The reason why I bring those two up is Joe Biden, as I played in the last podcast, threatened to withhold a billion dollars from Ukraine if they didn't fire a certain prosecutor that was investigating his son in Burisma. And yet Donald Trump was impeached for the phone call with Zelensky, where he asked Zelensky to look into the family, the Biden family corruption, and that he had heard that Joe withheld a billion dollars in aid if uh, Shokin wasn't fired, who was was the, uh, the prosecutor that was looking into Burisma and the corruption. And when they got fired, then the U.S. went ahead and gave the billion dollars in aid to Ukraine. And Donald Trump asked Zelensky to look into this. He had heard that this was, uh, you know, pay to play or uh, tit for tat or what do you call it? Quid pro quo, I guess you would call it. And that's it. He told him to look into that. And Donald Trump got impeached. For that, for asking Zelensky to look into the corruption into the Biden family business. And now we know there is a lot of corruption of the Biden family business. I heard it best described. I can't remember who it was in one of the talk shows or uh, as I was listening on the radio. This person said it's most likely that after Donald Trump won in 2016, Joe Biden knew there was very little chance he could ever be president now. And so he was going to cash in. He was going to call in all his markers to make as much money as possible for his family before he got out of politics. But a funny thing happened. He won in 2020. And now all of this is being uncovered by the investigative committee's in the house because they are republican controlled and the walls are closing in it's gonna take longer much longer than any of us ever thought uh as of course you know the durham report what took five years it's ridiculous that it takes that long and they can indict trump in months done full indictment has now has to uh set court dates and go defend himself in months but they've been working at this for five years with the Bidens, because uh, this same IRS whistleblower revealed that his bosses and the DOJ told them to slow walk all of the investigation long enough so statute of limitations started running out, and that, my friends, is what has happened. So this new text basically reveals if it's uh, you know like a drunken or or high text. From Hunter Biden, it's very specific and it mentions that I'm sitting here next to my father. So I don't know, I'll leave it up to you. Do you think that Hunter Biden was actually sitting next to his father when he sent this text to Henry Zhao? Or do you think he was high as a kite and was just doing it to try and get more money for his drugs? There's basically the two choices. And of course, the White House is not commenting on such a thing except to say that this was a time when hunter biden had a real problem with addiction that sounds like a cya move to me what about you guys drew at theWatchdogsBark.com? write me and let me know what you think all right recently riley gaines testified in front of congress about her experience with not only swimming against leah thomas but having to share a locker room with them. They were told originally that he was going to have his own changing quarters, and that changed last minute. Listen to this.
1: Good morning, Senators. My name is Riley Gaines. I'm an advisor for Independent Women's Voice. I recently graduated from the University of Kentucky, where I was a member of the UK's women's swim and dive team. I... Proudly finished my career as a 12-time NCAA All-American, a five-time SEC champion, the SEC record holder in the 200 butterfly, making me one of the fastest Americans of all time, a two-time Olympic trial qualifier, SEC scholar athlete of the year, and SEC community service leader of the year. But all of that to say that it's a lifelong journey competing at that level, and it's impossible to put into words the amount of sacrifice and dedication that it takes. On March 17th of 2022, my teammates and I, as well as female swimmers from universities around the country, were forced to compete against biological male Leah Thomas. Thomas was allowed to compete in the women's division after competing as a member of the University of Pennsylvania's men's swim team for three years as Will Thomas. We watched on the side of the pool as Thomas swam to a national title in the 500 freestyle, beating out the most impressive and accomplished female swimmers in the country, including many Olympians and American record holders ranked 462nd at best in the men's division the year prior. The next day, I raced Thomas in the 200 free cell, which ended up in a tie. Um, we went the exact same time down to the 100th of a second. Having only one trophy, the NCAA handed it to Thomas and told me I had to go home empty handed. And when I asked why, which was a question they were not prepared to be asked, I actually appreciate their honesty because they said, Thomas, it was crucial. Thomas had it for picture purposes. Thomas had to have it for the pictures. I felt betrayed I felt belittled, I felt reduced to a photo op, but my feelings didn't matter. What mattered to the NCAA were the feelings of a biological male. In 1972, Congress enacted Title IX to end unjust sex discrimination in all aspects of education, including college athletics. But by allowing Thomas to displace female athletes in the pool and on the podium, the NCAA intentionally and explicitly discriminated on the basis of sex. Although, although the NCAA claim it acted in the name of inclusion, its policies in fact excluded female athletes, which are the very female athletes whom Title IX was passed to protect. But that is not all. In addition to being forced to give up our awards and our titles and our opportunities, the NCAA forced me and my female swimmers to swim to share a locker room with Thomas, a six foot four, 22 year old male equipped with and exposing male genitalia. Let me be clear about this. We were not forewarned we would be sharing a locker room. No one asked for our consent and we did not give our consent. And I'll I'll set the scene a swimming locker room is not a place of modesty. You're undressing, you're fully exposed, and we were forced to take off our swimsuit in front of a man who was doing the exact same thing. If nothing else, I truly hope how you can see this is a violation of our right to privacy, and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, embarrassed, and even traumatized by this experience.
0: So let me break this down to you. Leah Thomas competed as Will Thomas at the University of Pennsylvania his freshman, sophomore, and junior year. He ranked 462nd nationwide. Then he declared himself a female, competed against females, and at first beat them by, what, 30 seconds, I think I heard someone. You know, these athletes be they male or female, once you dedicate your life to being an athlete and competing at a professional level like this, it is your entire life. And you work hours and hours in the gym and in the pool and on the track to try and shave off a half a second or a second. And Leah Thomas, Beat them by 30 seconds, 37 seconds on, in one competition. And even when Riley Gaines tied Leah Thomas, the NCAA gave the trophy to Leah Thomas for historical reasons. They're cowards. Those are the historical reasons. They are cowardly and not willing to stand up for women's sports. That is my opinion. And I think it is so sad. And especially this story of Riley Gaines talking about how they had to share a locker room with Leah Thomas. They were told in the beginning Leah Thomas would be changing in a separate area, in uh, a a separate like shower stall that has a curtain and everything. So that this, they would still, the, the girls would still have their privacy. And then the last second that was all changed and the NCAA just said, deal with it. How is that fair to women? How is that treating women with respect? It's not. Now, to get my point across in what I was talking about in the introduction to this podcast is we used to have a term called tomboy. When young girls grew up and they were Athletic and competitive, and wore jeans and t shirts or shorts. And, you know, they didn't wear dresses and play with dolls and all that. We just, they were tomboys. And they all turned out to be normal female human beings because when they were six or seven or eight, no one told them that they were in the wrong body. No one talked about sexual, mature sexual issues with them when they're way too young to understand. And again, just like Joe Cable sings in South Pacific when they're six or seven or eight. Why did, why? why does this specific age referenced in this song? It's because those are some of the most influential years in a child's development, in their brain and in their body development. And even until the 20s, the human mind doesn't stop developing until about 25. So up until then, the human brain is still developing. So let me share with you a story. All right. And this this really touched me because it's a woman talking about her middle daughter uh, and how the difference between when she was three and when she's 18. And uh, I'll, I'll read, I won't read her name. Um, I know it's, this is public and everything. And, and you know, if she wants me to, to use the name, then, you know, she can write me and let me know and I'll, I'll let you know. But basically it was her daughter. And she said when she was two and a half years old, she told me she wanted to be a boy. This continued in different forms until she was 12 to 13. She asked me once, when am I going to grow a winky. <laughs> Side note, she and her older sister and brother had seen it all because they, she bathed them all together all the time. Uh, I explained that she wouldn't because she was a girl. She told me she wanted to TT standing up, so I explained how that wouldn't work for her. Unfazed, she decided to try it. It didn't work and life went on. She was all tomboy. She played sports and was hyper-competitive. Almost all of her friends until seventh grade were boys. She only wore boys' underwear. She had to wear a dress on Sundays as we attended church, and that was our rule. But she often walked into her class, yanked up her dress, and announced, I'm still wearing my boy underwear. I never argued with her about her clothes. I remember her coming home in the first grade and asking me what a lesbian was because some boys had called her that on the bus. I explained it was a girl who, loved, who was in love with another girl. She said, oh, that was it. She was six and didn't need a discussion on sex at that point. We often talked about her being able to do anything a boy could do, and she could still be a girl. She was a three-sport athlete, three-sport captain, all-state volleyball player, junior college scholarship basketball player. However, she was still a girl and a freaking awesome one at that. When she was 12 or 13, she asked for girl panties, but still only wore athletic clothes. She's a beauti- She is beautiful today at 23 as she is athletic. She loves to snowboard, hike, still loves sports. We allowed her to work it out. Work out who she was with the parameters that allowed her to be successful. She's now engaged to a great guy whom she will marry. I would have never medicated her, surgically changed her, hormonally altered her, or done one thing differently than what we did. I don't care what the world, social media, trans activists push. These are kids. To do anything that could change them before their brains are fully developed is ridiculous and, honestly, abusive. Guide them. Talk to them. Advocate for them. Accept them for the love of all that is right, but do not change them. I've read heartbreaking stories about people who physically transitioned as young adults, And who are now 17 years away from that and says it was the biggest mistake of their lives. Now she's often said, my daughter's often said how different her life would be for her and us if she was growing up today. Because the pressure to transition her would be so great. I can assure you that would have had zero effect on us. Parents, please don't get swept up in the madness. Be the voice of reason. Your child needs. Please, I could not agree more. Parents, be on your child's side. Understand that they're still developing, they're still working out who they are. They're going to go through many changes, especially during puberty. That doesn't mean that those changes you should embrace permanently. And allow them to take medications that are not going to allow their bodies to fully develop and alter their bodies permanently through surgery when it's probably just a phase they're going through in their development. So, whatever happened to tomboys? Are there still tomboys today? I hope so. Because one of my best friends growing up was a tomboy and we had a blast together. And I. Can't imagine what would happen today if that tomboy friend of mine was raised with the peer pressure of social media and these crazy, stupid influencers like Dylan Mulvaney and Marsh, Jeff Marsh. Uh, they have millions of followers, and they're just telling everyone that they're so happy, and they would be happy if they changed their bodies too. No, that's not the rule. That's the exception, all right? And the reason why I bring this up and do it right after I talked about how no child is born with hatred or prejudice, parents, raise your children right. Don't allow the education system to raise your children. I would say my recommendation is pull kids out of public schools. If you value modesty, morality, Christianity, good ethics and morals, do not have your children go to public schools. Pay extra to have them go private, or if you can, homeschool them. Because we've gotten to the point now where all that is happening in our public schools is indoctrination. And I wish I didn't have to say that, but it's true. I also am going to say this. Disney. Is no longer a company you can rely on to take care of your kids. When I was a kid and when I babysat and when I was younger, Disney was a great thing. You'd pop on a Disney movie and they are occupied for two hours. Or the Disney Channel, when it first came out, you know, there was good, wholesome, fun entertainment for the whole family. And like I said, I used to watch The Wonderful World of Disney every Sunday night, and then Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Now, I would not recommend families watch The Wonderful World of Disney together because Disney has gone woke. They are more interested in indoctrinating your children than just providing good, wholesome family entertainment. Sadly, that is absolutely true. All right, and... Once again, hubris gets people killed. What do I mean by that? I mean Titanic. Bruce Ismay and those who were on the Titanic thought that God Himself could not sink this ship. And guess what? Same thing happened with the Titan. This uh, submersible vehicle that took five passengers down to see the Titanic. The guy that owned the company refused not refused but decided that final safety checks were unnecessary that they'd already been down there before we didn't need to do another safety check no everything's fine and then an hour and 45 minutes into that trip all of a sudden all five of them are on the other side at the pearly gates if you believe that or in front of god if you believe that wondering huh what (laughs) Something didn't work out the way we thought it would. Uh, We're in a very different place now. Hmm. And if it was me, you know, it'd be like it's uh, it's one of those situations where you blink and you're on the other side. And may we all go that way. Uh, Because basically what happened is the Titan imploded. And it did so an hour and 45 minutes into a two and a half hour trip down 12,500 feet. Now, for those who don't know, that's a little more than two miles deep. Uh, It's not the deepest point in the ocean. The Mariana Trench is that, and believe it or not, that is 6.8 miles deep. That's 35,000 feet deep. That's deeper than the tip of Mount Everest to sea level. That's how deep the Mariana Trench is. That's how crazy, how much unexplored space is in the ocean. You know, I have a real desire to go to space. I have no desire to go under that deep underwater. I've been scuba diving. It's absolutely fantastic. I've scuba dived on shipwrecks and uh, done snorkeling and scuba diving and, It's fantastic being 30, 40 feet under the surface and breathing through the oxygen and seeing those incredible colors of fish and taking cheese Whiz down with us and the fish just swarmed all around our masks. That's fantastic. But taking taking me down 12,500 feet where the pressure is so great that in an instant you're gone. That's uh, No, thanks. No, that's that's not going to happen for me. And sadly, that is what happened, is there were about 6,000 PSI, from what I hear, and instantly, gone. And from what I hear, the Navy and their sensitive listening equipment actually heard the implosion, but kept searching just in case that's not what the sound was. But it did sound like an implosion. And from what I heard from people, that if, if something is collapsing that fast with that much pressure, it's basically instantly heating everything almost to the same degree as the surface of the sun and then gone. Boom. That's it. I've, I've seen videos of like oil tankers collapsing with one atmospheric pressure and it just collapses. The entire oil tanker, you know, that's on on trains, that it's just it looks like the Hulk just goes like that with his hand. Now imagine three hundred and seventy-five atmospheres of pressure. That's how insane and how fast that Titan imploded. So my uh, my heart and prayers goes out to the families of those. Uh, there were many explorers in that group. One gentleman that was called Mr. Titanic. He had been bound down to the Titanic's 35 times, and he was one. And then a father and son, Pakistani businessman, bought uh, a ticket for his son because he and his son were both adventurers and explorers. And then, of course, the CEO of the company that made the submersible and then one other guy that was a Navy submariner. So they all had either, well, most of them had experience. Uh, it was just the curse of the Titanic, the hubris of the CEO of OceanGate that made that submersible, thinking they didn't need to go through a third-party final safety check before they dropped that submersible to the Titanic. And once again... Hubris lost. It's a dangerous thing. I think hubris should be another one of the deadly sins, uh, pride and envy. But hubris, I think, is a, should be another one of the deadly sins. Oh, I also heard that the wife of the CEO of OceanGate is now moving all of their family's assets to different accounts and fam- other family members because oh yeah, there's definitely going to be some lawsuits coming, and deservedly so, in my opinion. Okay, really quickly, I want to talk a little bit about the Wagner group, which is a Russian mercenary group led by Yevgeny Prigozhin, and how that was very bizarre. (laughs) They they stopped uh, fighting in Ukraine. They were marching towards Moscow. They got 120 miles away from moscow and then all of a sudden turned progozin ordered his troops to turn back to ukraine and fold in with the russian army fighting ukraine and progozin is going to be living in belarus now Uh uh-huh i can predict probably not right away because you know they don't want to uh, arise suspicion of what might happen, but I'll bet you in a month or two or three or four or something like that, uh, this Prigozian is going to um, commit suicide or uh, have a, a mystery illness happen or fall off a building or something because I think he cooked his goose. I know from what I've read that uh, Putin and Prigozian had a friendship. So that might save him, but right now he's living in exile in Belarus and his troops are now going to fight alongside the Russian troops as part of the Russian army or military. So that's really interesting. That, that occupied an entire day of news where you couldn't turn the channel to any channel if, and they were not talking nonstop about this group heading towards Moscow now and Moscow is lining their streets with tanks and armored vehicles and then all of a sudden, poof, gone. Progozin goes to Belarus and his troops go back to Ukraine and everything is just uh, normal, right? Huh, that's very interesting. I think Winston Churchill described Russia best and why we cannot ever figure out anything about them. He said, and I quote, Russia is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. That's uh, about it. There's very few things you can explain about Russia and especially the Russian government and Putin, but it is what it is. And like I said, I, I think uh, Progozin has cooked his goose. I don't, I think he took a chance, thought he could I maybe have a coup of a, for the government and get uh, Putin out. But uh, who knows? Honestly, Winston Churchill has it right. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to leave you with a couple of really uplifting notes. As I said, my mother sent me this list of things, 15 things you should give up to be happy. And I'm going to read you the first three and explain what I mean, because I think it's so important that You consider giving up these things for your own happiness. Before I get into these things, here's the preface that the author says. He says, here's a list of 15 things which, if you give up on them, will make your life a lot easier and much, much happier. We hold on to so many things that cause us a great deal of pain, stress, and suffering. And instead of letting them all go, instead of allowing ourselves to be stress-free and happy, we cling on to them. Not anymore. Starting today, we will give up on all those things that no longer serve us. We will embrace change. Ready? Here we go. Number one, give up your need to always be right. There are so many of us who can't stand the idea of being wrong. That's happening a lot in politics when now it's proven that the 2020 election was tampered with and rigged. Still, people are saying no, nope, nope, it didn't happen. It was a perfect election. There was absolutely nothing wrong. Same thing with this virus and the vaccines. The people that invented the vaccines and pushed them so hard on us still to this day won't admit that the vaccines really didn't work. They didn't. They, they, do, they didn't stop the spread. And those that had the vaccines could still catch COVID and spread COVID. So what purpose did we have the vaccines? I guess some people that got the vaccines were spared severe COVID, but really do we know for sure? Because again, they have conflated the numbers of those who died with. COVID and those who died from COVID. I don't think we'll ever know the real numbers. So so the point goes on. Uh, there are so many of us who are wanting to always be right, even at the risk of ending great relationships or causing a great deal of stress and pain for us and for others. It's just not worth it. Whenever you feel the urgent need to jump into a fight over who is right and who is wrong, ask yourself this question. Would I rather be right or would I rather be kind? Dr. Wayne Dyer said that. And you know that I'm a huge fan of Dr. Wayne Dyer. He's the one that taught me you choose how to react to every situation without exception. So what difference will this make in your life? Is your ego really that important? I honestly wonder with some of my friends that unfriended and blocked me after the 2016 election. If I would have just said, you know what, you guys are right, I was wrong. Would I still have those friendships? Maybe. It's interesting to think about. I, I can't explain why this happened. I really can't. I didn't really have a need to be right. I guess maybe I did. Maybe I needed to be right that Donald Trump was, was the best choice and that Hillary would have been the wrong choice. I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. What do you guys think? Write me. Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. Would I be happier if I admitted I was wrong and voted for someone else in 2020 just to save friendships, just to save family relationships? This one got me thinking a lot. I do have a need to be right a lot. Uh, I'm very opinionated, as you guys can tell from the podcast. But maybe if I admitted to being wrong, I don't know that's really interesting. Write me and let me know, okay? All right. Number two, give up your need for control. Be willing to give up your need to always control everything that happens to you and around you, situations, events, people, etc. Whether they are loved ones, coworkers, or just strangers you meet on the street, just allow them to be. Allow everything and everyone to be just as they are. And you will see how much better that will make you feel. And Lao Tzu says, by letting it all go, it all gets done. The world is won by those who let it go. But when you try and try, the world is beyond winning. So Elsa had it right in Frozen. Let it go. Uh, Yeah. So I see a lot of people micromanage everything around them all the time, have to be in control of everything. And I can see how tedious it seems to get for them when they just get exasperated that people aren't doing things that they want done and the way they want them done. Uh, My ex-wife was that way. She had expectations for every conversation, every trip, every outing, every... (laughs) Everything we did, she had expectations. And when things did not match those expectations, she got angry all the time. She was angry all the time. And it's just, I've seen that same thing in some business owners that micromanage their employees and don't allow their employees to do things That might impress them, that might make the company more profitable. But it's because the managers and owners of these companies didn't think of those things themselves and didn't have control over this decision being made that they decide to ignore it and actually hurt their businesses by doing that. I've seen that numerous times. So that one's really big. Give up your need for control. All right, and the last one is so important. Give up on blame. One of the biggest things in our country, and I, all over the world, but in our country especially, is envy. Those who blame others for what they don't have, or blame others that don't feel how they feel. Stop giving your power away and start taking responsibility for your life. I promise you, you will be happier, even though it is a hard, bitter pill to swallow. Take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your mistakes. And of course, take responsibility for your successes. But take responsibility for everything. There are so many in this country, and it seems like, especially in politics, one side takes all the credit when things go well. And they blame the other side when things don't go well. That's the propaganda we're all faced with constantly now: is which side is to blame? Which side is to blame for our uh, fiscal policies, or our foreign policies, or our loss of standing in the world? There are, or there is rather, blame on both sides. Both sides have gotten us into this financial mess because both sides spend like drunken sailors. It used to be where Republicans were way more fiscally responsible than Democrats, but now they're two sides of the same corrupt coin. So who's to blame for what we're going through as a country? We all are. We all are. We've allowed social media and the echo chambers created with those to convince us that we are right. The other side is wrong. We are good. The other side is evil. We know what's best. The other side doesn't have a clue. As long as we continue living in these detrimental feelings like this, we're never going to solve any problems. The Constitution and our founding fathers created a country where we must compromise to make laws. All laws are to be compromised. When one side gets everything it wants and the other side gets nothing, in my personal opinion, that should never be a law, ever. And just like, you know, I've had many people say, oh, well, then that means Donald Trump's tax cuts shouldn't be real and we should reverse them. We should. We should also reverse Obamacare. We should also reverse this um, Debt Inflation Act or whatever it was that has nothing to do with reducing inflation, has everything to do with the Green New Deal and spending on climate change initiatives. But again, no laws should be passed with only partisan support. We have to find a way to work together we have to if this country is to survive as the constitutional republic that it was created to be we have to find compromise we have to find middle ground we have to give up on blame and just to review those points today were number one give up your need to always be right number two Give up your need for control. And number three, give up on blame. If you're able to give up those three things, I think your life will be much more filled with joy and happiness and much less grief and frustration. So that brings us to the end of another podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, positive or negative or any ideas or suggestions of future podcasts that you want me to research and find out about drew at the watchdogsbark.com until next time create an amazing day and be sure and relay the bark